for most of us in the industry. It's one of the trends that is going to continue to shape the industry definitely for next year, for 2022 and beyond. It's my prediction that this is an area that's going to gain more and more traction and speed as similar path as what we've seen with MLOps. MLOps is a little bit further ahead, but DataOps is very necessary. We have a fantastic line of speakers for both of these events. Please check the website for more details. DataOps, future-proofing your data platforms, all about increasing the industrial strengths of our data platforms. That's a virtual event on February 17th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And in April, April 6th and 7th, we have Advancing AI, a two-day physical event in Melbourne, which is going to be around finding more use cases for AI, increasing the adoption, increasing the use cases all within your organization. I'm super excited for these two events. I hope to see you there. I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au. So the five trends, I'll give you the five and then we'll expand on each of them. So the first two are around operationalization of our practices and creating sort of industrial strength uh, systems, um, bringing more automation and uh, better, better processes um, to different parts of the value chain. So the, the first one is uh, machine learning operations or MLOps. Uh, MLOps is um, creating systems um, that can serve machine learning models at scale and at speed to get value and to help us with the advancements. So that's how the, the macro trends feed into these um, top five trends in data analytics and AI for 2022. So MLOps um, gives us sort of multiple, multiple components. It's, um, it's the um, creating systems that are reliably providing uh, predictions at, at speed and at scale on the models that we've created. Um, it needs as an input data in prepared at speed and at scale. Um, so that usually starts with the feature store uh, that, that needs to be maintained and the new data needs to be processed and, and be ready for the um, ML algorithms to, to consume. Uh, so that needs to come in in a, in a feature store. Generally then we have a, a model store, which is where we're keeping all the models that we have uh, for our different use cases. And in the model store, we want to have um, monitoring on how the, um, how the algorithms are performing in terms of their predictions that they're providing and the recommendations that they're providing, uh, but also monitoring the, the speed at which they're providing those, those recommendations. And then ideally, we want to have a system that um, is able to retrain the algorithms as the metrics start to decay. Uh, and that needs to be 
done ideally in the first place in, a, in an automated manner uh, and then it needs to be checked checked whether uh, and, and the, the check what I mean by that is having kind of like a champion challenger approach where there's a champion model where we know that this is the, the best model that we have so far for this particular use case but then if if um, if we need to create a replacement model and then we want to do that automatically we need to uh, train that model on a, on a set um, amount of data that usually needs to be predefined and then we need to uh, test and validate that model with data that needs to be pr usually predefined so then you know um, that the test and validation data is obviously different to the training data but it, it gives you um, the, the test and validation data gives you metrics that you can compare the champion model with this challenger model to see which one should be the new champion so should the should the reigning champion continue on or is this challenger going to overtake the um, going to overtake the champion so that that can be done uh, that piece of the retraining and um, that can be done through for example AutoML um, techniques and approaches uh, or it can be done by taking the the old model and 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 retraining it or testing new hyperparameters as kind of like more um, thinking more done by hand in that sense instead of instead of auto ml um, or it can be done by um, by people you know by the data scientists trying to find new uh, methods new algorithms new approaches to create a new model that then it can go into um, into this part of the system to be tested as a new challenger versus to be tested against the um, the existing champion, um, and for for most people, um, or I should say, maybe a key a key part here is that the um, there's the a key part is that there's multiple ways that uh, multiple metrics to look at when trying to evaluate the effectiveness of a model. Um, so it's it's easy to think. Uh, about accuracy and that a more accurate model uh, should should always win um, but sometimes you have say an imbalanced classification problem um, where if you think about fraud for example where 99.9% .9 of transactions are not fraud and like 0.01% are fraud for this example <laughs> um, so if you wanted a a, um, a classifier, if you wanted a model that was 99.9% .9 accurate, all the model has to say is that every transaction is not fraud, right? So it's missing all of the fraud, not even having a go at picking it, but it's 99.9% .9 accurate because 99.9% .9 of transactions are not fraud. So that's definitely not uh, so that, that means that accuracy is not the only way that we want to measure the effectiveness of, of algorithms, of models, especially when they're in production, especially when it's automated. And we want to create metrics on, on a use case basis in order to understand how, uh, in, to, in order to understand the value that the algorithm can actually provide uh, once, once it's in production. Then we want to, if, if the algorithm passes that, that test and and becomes the new champion then what we want is um ideally a a, a staged 
release. Uh, so what I mean by that is, is um, and, and we definitely heard this from a lot of guests this year, particularly this, this component, um, mo most of these components throughout, throughout the year in different conversations, but, but this component, uh, what people were doing is when there's a new champion model uh, that is being released in production, they generally start that new champion with by giving it a small percentage of the of the data. So it might be two percent, or it might be five percent, and then see how it goes with that data flow. And then as the confidence increases, then give it more of the data, ten percent, move it to twenty percent, move it to fifty percent, and give it kind of like that stage stage release, um, which is something that I, I really I really enjoyed. Um, to, to hear and to see that it's happening in the in the industry and for that obviously what you have you need the um, the metrics to track how well the model is performing um, to to provide feedback you need to know what data is being used uh, against one which model which version of the model at what time so then you can do the evaluation and provide feedback at the end to close the loop so then the algorithm continues to to learn and then these predictions need to be served um, at scale and at speed uh, to, to the end users, as we spoke before in the macro trends. So this is kind of the, the MLOps space. Um, and, and MLOps, there, there's multiple ways that organizations today are organizing their, themselves to deliver this capability. Some organizations that we spoke with this year, they told us that they have one ML product team that um, you know, Ken, Kendra Vant put it really nicely. She said, "The our ML, she's from from Zero, um, and uh, she said our ML product teams have everything they need within the team, soup to nuts. So everything that they need to be able to get the data, prepare the data, create the models, productionize the models, get it, get it to users, increase the usage and adoption, everything in the one team, and everyone works together to." to create those ML products and get them used and get the value from them. So that's one way to organize it. And in our discussions, leaders definitely said, the way of organizing these teams is horses for courses. So not one way is gonna work for everyone, but multiple ways are available because the, the needs of different organizations are different. So one, one way is um, having ML products, soup to nuts, everything, everything together. Um, and it's kind of like, they didn't express it like this, but it's kind of like you build it, you productionize it, you maintain it type approach. Um, Ivan also from Rocked, he also mentioned that they have, a, that they, they, their motto actually, he mentioned it like this, their motto is um, you build it, you productionize it, you maintain it. So the idea is to have people working across the data science space around creating the models and creating the product and then moving on to the machine learning engineering space um, to be able to serve and, and productionize those models, uh, put them into production to be able to serve them to, to customers. Um, and then as we spoke about, uh, we also need the third piece, which is um, the, the adoption, um, the, the change management, the marketing, that, that, that is a critical component that is often overlooked. So um, just, just as, a, as, a, as a reminder. So we were talking about ways that organizations structure their MLOps teams. 
sometimes they do it all together and sometimes on the other end um, we have uh, large organizations like we spoke with Woolies X which is the the data science and uh, innovation hub of Woolworths they said that they have separate teams so they have a data science team that creates the ML product and then they have an ML engineering team that productionizes the products once they've been created by the data science team so there's a there's a handover component there um, and and um, I, I should have mentioned before that that MLOps and ML engineering they uh, as a practice and as a capability they leverage heavily from um, from DevOps from the DevOps world from the software engineering world in terms of being able to do um, continual releases continual uh, uh, deployments and continual integrations um, and and then that comes from the DevOps world and then we as uh, as a community we add the uh, continual testing uh, to be able to retrain models as new data comes in so models don't go stale and um, sometimes that retraining uh, is done on a time basis so you can retrain your models every week or every month or every day if you have the volumes and things are changing that much um, so it can be done the retraining can be done on a time basis other times it can be done on demand and based on the metrics that we were talking about before metrics that you track the model performance um, and then when those start to decay you can try an automated retraining and if that doesn't work then it needs to go back to the data scientist for the model to be retrained uh, or, or for a new model to be created because sometimes you know things change that drastically because the world is ever changing uh, customer expectations and the, and the way that customers um, uh, work and live their life that's continually changing and you can have you know big events like a pandemic <laughs> that um, definitely like um, makes us all throw a lot of models in in the bin or at least put them on pause for quite some time so this trend one out of out of the five trends that i'm giving you uh, that are shaping uh, ml and ai uh, sorry data analytics and ai in 2022 this first one is mlops uh, which includes ml engineering uh, which is which is essentially ml engineering is the way to productionize or is the the um the job title for people who work in in mlops uh, they are the, the ml uh, engineers and the engineering component comes from um, from software side and the cloud side to be able to productionize uh, these products and be able to use them and deliver them at scale and at speed. And this um, and then the ML engineer comes almost from a from a fusion or, or a combination of um, data science and data engineering um, plus a bit of cloud engineering. Um, and that's and that's something that is um, is coming up in in all different parts of the of the of the industry. That is kind of like maybe the rise of engineers might be a better a better way to do it. Um, what better way to 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 term it? The rise of engineers in the data space. Um, so we've had you know data engineers in the last five years. Now we have analytics engineers, which is another. Uh, part of another trend which I'll talk about analytics engineers machine learning engineers um, and obviously we need to be working very closely with software engineers and cloud engineers um, so there's this now almost like a suite of engineers um, 
that work in the data and ML slash AI space. Um, and as a, as a result, this is a good, a good um, segue, that as a result, uh, Data Futurology, we're putting on an, an, engineer, a, a, an engineering summit uh, next year, about halfway through the year. It might be May or June. Um, and that's going to be um, discussing the, the advancements uh, that are done by all these engineers that we just spoke about. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to cover um, machine learning engineer, everything that's happening there and how to do it better, ML engineering, um, data engineering, uh, analytics engineering, um, software engineering when it comes to the data space, and cloud engineering, uh, which are all critical components um, to take these technologies uh, to fruition, to have them operating at scale and at speed, to increase the advancement and to get more value from them. So we're going to have an event that focuses on, on engineers and, and this rise of the engineers in the data space is a is a, a theme that you'll see in a, in a couple of these in a couple of these trends. So, um, but to finish off the MLOps side, we're talking about the the fusion or the combination of data science and data engineering. What I've seen in the market this year is that data scientists are learning and want to learn data engineering skills. Um, the data engineers are learning and want to learn data science skills, um, and that 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 this this blend is is becoming more and more uh, real in the market because you need um, both sides of these skills to be able to uh, productionize and get value from these uh, algorithms and from these technologies. Um, and it's been such a such a big uh, market trend that I've even seen university degrees that are. Um, that are uh, I saw a master's uh, from a Sydney university that it was masters of data science and engineering and I was like awesome awesome that's that's exactly what we need that's exactly where the market's going so um definitely and and during the pandemic I saw many many data scientists and many listeners um, that you guys were working quite hard on your cloud engineering skills um, on your on your engineering uh, software engineering or data engineering skills. Um, and, and, and through that, building up your machine learning uh, engineering skills, which is fantastic. And that's definitely the, the way the future is going. Um, note that ML engineers, they're not going to replace data scientists. There's always going to be a place for data scientists to create kind of like the new products. Um, and then the ML engineer is going to help with the delivery side. So that's, that's the, this is all compassing the first trend um, that I have for you today on um, on um, trends that are shaping data analytics and AI for 2022. So now let's go to trend two. I'll just make a note here. Um, so trend two is um, quite closely related to trend one. So trend one was MLOps and ML engineering. And if you think about it, that's in the later part of the of the value chain. So that's starting typically starting from the feature store where the data has been prepared at scale, and then um, as we spoke just then, going through the uh, feature store, model store, being able to serve those uh, algorithms at scale, uh, retrain them if necessary, and then um, get them to to users. Um, so before that, what comes before that is Trend number two, which is data ops. 
Uh, so operationalizing the data space. Also quite a big area which uh, involves data ingestion, data processing pipelines, uh, obviously data warehousing and um, data visualization. So all, all, all of that, but being done in a way that is um, industrial, the, being done in a way where the systems are at an industrial strength level, uh, so they're much more reliable. Increasing that reliability is a key component of the, of the ops part. Um, increasing the visibility and the monitoring um, and, and being able to, um, to work in a more of a DevOps manner in this space. Um, so let's, let's dive into, into that a bit more. As organizations have, have increased their dependency on data, um, and, and a lot of organizations for, for some time have been saying, you know, uh, data is key to us, uh, data is our key asset, it's, it's critical, um, etc. Data is a new oil and, and all, the, all, all those, those, um, those phrases. So organizations want to be using data, but then what we found in most organizations, or in a lot of organizations, maybe most, is that the, the way that the data processing pipelines um, and, and the data warehouses the way that those were built had a lower expectation on them in terms of availability, reliability, and monitoring than what you would expect from a core business system. So a core system, um, it has you know high uptimes, um, high reliability, lots of monitoring. If something fails, generally you get alerts immediately because it's business critical. The shift that data ops is helping us make is to take our data processing pipelines, data ingestion, data warehousing, and, and, and BI, um, and making those business critical and, and, and increasing the reliability, having more uptime, um, having really good monitoring. So then if and when something fails, you know exactly which part failed. Um, and you're able to rectify it soon, and you have um, backups and good uh, CI/CD practices in order to to do that. Now, for a lot of people, um, and definitely for some of the you know old school people in the industry, and and I mean old school in a good way, old school like me, <laughs> um, we we've we've thought um, you know that's that's having reliable data processing pipelines and data warehouses, having them reliable at an industrial strength level um, where with good monitoring and good visibility, that's, that's just called like doing a good job. <laughs> like a, a, lot of, a lot of old school people just see that as, a, as a, almost like a hygiene requirement that, that's basic. And I think that's true. But before we didn't have the language, the focus, um, we weren't discussing the methodologies. The methodologies was more dis uh, focused on the um, on the data preparation, on 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 what's being done in the pipes, and how the data is stored, and what are the structures and the schemas, and how to optimize, say, our SQL and things like that. But we weren't talking about what what does it take to create these systems 
at, at a take them to an industrial grade strength to to give us the confidence that they are or at least can become business critical systems that that everyone or large portion of, of the business depends on for their work on a day-to-day -day basis like that's 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 the that's the crux of it taking it to that level of of reliability of availability so in this space um so this is what's what's essentially being called data ops from the data ingestion um, data processing pipelines um, um data warehousing um data lakes and then being able to serve those into in that data into feature stores which is where mlops starts um, and then also being able to take the data and and uh, put it into um, dashboards and business intelligence applications also in a reliable way with good uptime and and good auditing and monitoring and visibility and etc uh, so super important components in this space um, we've seen the rise of the analytics engineer um, who are using uh, software engineering practices in the data ops space or in the data space, data preparation space. Um, and the, the analytics engineer is encompassing this whole breadth from ingestion to the feature store and, the, and, and, um, and visualization layer. Um, and and there developing their software engineering skills, their cloud skills, um, to be able to create the, these reliable um, systems. And we've seen a lot, of, a lot of good tech come up in this space. And, and one of those which has become uh, really popular, we definitely use it as well, is DBT. So um, for the people who don't know, it stands for database tool. Um, and it, it helps you um, do a lot of the data engineering uh, work uh, by uh, orchestrating your your SQL and then be able to to run it um, and do that in a in a software engineering uh, manner. Uh, but we've obviously and definitely um, a lot of people as well have had to invest in in monitoring tools and visibility tools um, and in better using our um, cloud data warehouse software to be able to leverage the strengths that it has and um, and cover the gaps uh, that it doesn't uh, that it doesn't provide to be able and, and doing all this work to be able to create uh, reliable and well orchestrated systems that are business critical. And there's definitely a, a lift um, for most of us in the industry. It's one of the trends that is going to continue to shape the industry definitely for next year, for 2022 and beyond. It's my prediction that this is an area that's going to gain more and more traction and speed as similar path as what we've seen with MLOps. MLOps is a little bit further ahead, but data ops is very necessary and, and, and data that the innovation in the data platform space um, has been has been incredible. So there's a lot there for us to, to cover. Um, and we have a data ops summit coming up. So this is going to be Australia's first data ops summit, which we're super proud to bring you. Uh, and that's coming up in February. Uh, so February 2022. Um, and um, we're, we're focusing on uh, data platforms, on how DevOps um, integrates with that, how to create this bus these business critical systems, what are the different components that you need, which are um, uh, which a lot of them I, I just mentioned, but we're going in at depth um, in terms of how this data can be uh, ingested, capture or ingested, 
process at scale made available to, to the business, um, are being, being made available to machine learning models, uh, and be made available to visualization tools and have those visualization tools help people make decisions throughout the organization. So that's all in the data ops space and watch out for our event mid-Feb 2022. Come and check it out. It's likely to be online, so sign up on the website because it's going to be a great one. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.